Welcome to the Thursday edition of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC football podcast. It's Thursday. It's New Year's Eve. A uh, big day tomorrow in the sport. Uh, I'm your host, David Ubbin, joined, as always, on Thursdays by my co-host, Mitch Light, one of our uh, sterling college football editors on our uh, top-rate college football team at The Athletic. If you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of our stuff at theathletic.com slash grits and subscribe to the show if you aren't already. Have this delivered to your uh, device directly. Uh, Hey, Mitch, that was a crazy game last night, huh? Oklahoma, Florida, to uh, a rematch of the the 2009 National Championship, which I actually purchased for research purposes literally 11 years ago. And it has followed me all the way. I just recently got a new phone, and it comes with a free Apple Plus subscription. And that purchase from 11 years ago on that same account is the only video purchase I've made. Still, I have a random copy of that game. Uh, I don't know that that, that matchup last night will, will uh, uh, you know, quite hold up, but still... Crazy, not, crazy. Not as much at stake last night, though. Yes, no. We that, are, that, that's uh, my evaluation of the game. Yes, exactly. No, we are uh, recording uh, in the past, actually, so we weren't able to uh, uh, offer much. But we're looking at every other SEC Bowl game today. But first, Mitch, you have some thoughts for us. Yeah, I have a, I have a theory, um, and I just want to get your opinion on this. And, and a lot of the talk in college football because signing period was re- two weeks ago is how just the rich keep getting richer. And it's, you know, the same schools are in the playoff every year. Is that good for the sport? Is that bad for the sport? And it's bad, but okay. Yeah, well, I, I think we, <laughs> it, Ari Wasserman had this stat, but I mean, anyone can go to 247 Sports and look it up. I think the number was 48 of the top 100 players in the country signed with one of five schools, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, and Clemson. So yeah. it's not like the NFL where there's a draft and the worst teams get the best players in college football, college sports, the rich keep getting richer. And so a lot of this is centered around the playoff, and it's bad because it's playoff or nothing, and people have been critical of ESPN for for making it playoff or nothing. Do you think if the playoff were expanded to eight eight teams that more kids would, the talent would be dispersed a little bit more evenly? The thinking being that, Okay, the number one reason kids go to school is probably to go to the NFL. After that, they want to win. So if you want to win, you want to go to the playoff, you're going to go to one of these schools that goes to the playoff every year. Well, if there's eight teams in the playoff, maybe more kids go to Oregon, which isn't a great example because they had a top five class or top six class, or, or Penn State. But they're not one of the t- elite elite. But yeah, yeah, yeah so that, that next tier, that next yeah. tier of schools. Well, more kids say, you know what? Those schools re- develop to the NFL – this, and let's say we're five years down the line and Oregon's made two playoffs in the last four years. I have a shot at winning a national championship. I don't have to go to Alabama. I don't have to go to, to, to LSU. Or is that just wishful thinking? I just think the way it's structured right now, it's like almost a badge of honor for these kids to go to one of these top elite schools. If you don't do that, you somehow failed. Yeah, I, you know, we're guessing. I don't think it would change anything. I really don't. I think those schools still have, you know, if you're an elite guy... Those are the ones you're looking at. Everybody's looking at Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, LSU, all of those places. So, no, I really don't. 
I do think that the the college football has a real problem on its hands, where if it's just Alabama and Clemson every year, and then you know Ohio State, Oklahoma, um, you know maybe Oregon, you know if it's just those same six schools every single year, and especially when the sport continually leans heavier and heavier south, I think it has an exposure issue. I don't know how to fix that. I did read Dan Wetzel's column this week. He was talking about cutting scholarships. That's a terrible idea. I like Dan a lot. I think he's good. That's a terrible idea. Um, I think college football has to figure out a way to introduce some competitive balance. I don't know what that is. Um, But Alabama and Clemson just being these juggernauts that play three games a year that they can lose and then meet up at the end, I don't think it's good for the sport. Um you know, Neither do I, but let, let me, we've seen the movie before. Let me, let me, yeah, let me cut you off there. Like, let's just say in hypothetical, and we don't know really know the answer to this, and it would take five or six, ten years of data. Yeah. But let's say a program like Florida. I think they're a good example. Very good head coach. They were a player two away from being a playoff team this year. They are recruiting well, but if you look at the numbers, the the, the gap is actually getting wider. If you look at the top mm-hmm. one hundred players signed by Alabama and Georgia versus Florida, well, let's say. I mean, you made the point, yeah, those kids are still going to go to Alabama. They're still going to go to Clemson or Georgia. But let's say two kids a year, two high four stars or a five-star kid go to Florida instead of Georgia. Another kid goes to Florida instead of Alabama. Then then that, that, that includes Florida's roster a little bit and gets them closer. So I do think that if Florida, if Dan Mullen could sit there and say, hey, we've made the playoff two times in the past five years or two times in the past four years, they might be able to recruit one or two more players, and I think that's all it takes to slowly close the gap. And there, there's another thing, too. is like I, when Florida State was in the midst of its run, we're, we're sitting here saying there's no way they're never going to be a top-five team. Same thing at USC. I mean, these things don't last forever. Mm-hmm. Something happens, whether the coach leaves, probation, or something, or you hire Bo Pelini as your defensive coordinator. These things don't last forever, but right now it's hard to see Georgia taking a step back Alabama or Clemson well I think no I I have been against bracket creep sort of mildly for a while I think seeing how repetitive it has gotten in the last couple years I've become a begrudging eight guy just because I want to see more teams but I think the end game would just be you know the same you're still seeing Alabama and Clemson in the end they're going to beat these teams. I mean we saw Clemson played an ACC championship game against a playoff team that wasn't competitive. You know, that's what it is. The gap is just so wide. Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State in a normal year, they're playing a different game than the rest of the sport. And it's like again, I don't think it's good when they play three or four games a year that they can lose. And in some ways it's kind of been like that forever. But those games feel like they have even lower stake when, you know, if Alabama and Clemson, we've seen them. We've seen that playoff spots are lifetime achievement awards. If they lose a game, they're still getting in the playoff. If Purdue goes 11-1, and they're not getting in the playoff. <laughs> if uh, if Oklahoma State goes 11-1, and they're not getting in the playoff. They're not getting the same benefit of the doubt because it is about recruiting rankings and what have you done in the history and what have we seen you do in the playoff and all those things. I don't think it's good for the sport. Um, I don't know how you fix it because recruiting is recruiting. Dabo and Saban are who they are. Uh, I'm sorry, Coach Saban. Yes, respect. <laughs> sorry, uh, 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 my liege, Coach Saban. Anyway, yes. No, I, are you a coach? Are you a, are you a first name guy? No, I've I've been a first name guy pretty much my whole career. 
uh, not, you know, they're just another person. It's fine. I don't really care if people do, people do whatever they want to do, but yeah. I've been a first name guy forever. Anyway, um, but so it's a problem in the sport that's becoming more serious because when you have four teams, it's like the same four teams and it's the, you know, a very Southern and Ohio league. The Pac-12 is becoming increasingly irrelevant. I don't think that's good for the sport. You have East Coast fans, West Coast fans that don't particularly care. It's a very Southern-based sport. So the sport as a whole, I don't think it's super healthy right now when that is happening um, because we're on a crash course for that again. Um, but, again, I, I don't know how you fix it. I don't think that going to eight would fix it. I don't think that that would shift it enough. I think it would make it more fun, a lot more relevant games, and getting in the playoffs becomes something, and it's a more aspirational thing. But I also think that you have to have I, – I, if they do go to eight and you don't have a guaranteed spot for the G5, I mean, that I think is even worse um, for the sport because right. if you're a Coastal and you're 11-0, and 12-0, and 0, if you're a Cincinnati – and you can win all your games and not even get to play for a championship. I mean, that, we're used to it because it's college football and that's what it is, but that's the only sport on the planet where this is possible, and it is so stupid. Try explaining that to somebody who hasn't watched college football their whole life. Oh, yeah, this team won all their games, and they got a pat on the back and a trip to the Cure Bowl. Like, come on. We're about to have an NFC East team go 7-9 yeah, and nine or 6-10 exactly. and 10 or whatever so and make the playoffs. Yeah, but so I, 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 I'm intrigued. I, I am hopeful that some competitive bounce can come into college sports or college football sooner than later, but I am not optimistic that we're going to see it. Yeah, before we move on and hit the bowl games, one, one more thing on that. And there's just credit to SEC for creating this monster in mm-hmm. Clemson and Ohio State, that they, those two schools in that. But there's also a bunch of programs that are underachieving, and that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. USC. Oregon is a program that we've seen in the playoff. They're recruiting very well. If Oregon and USC on the West Coast can kind of elbow their way in, Dan Mullen keeps things going at Florida. Texas, we joke about Texas all the time, but if Texas could somehow live up to its potential, throw a Penn State in there or a Michigan. Dare, we can I, have dare that. I utter the name of Tennessee when it comes to recruiting? Tennessee. Yeah. We, we could have some balance that we <laughs> saw right. quite when I, you know, I started at Athlon Sports in the early 2000s, and the Big 12 was the better conference then. Texas and Oklahoma were in the top five every year. There was, and USC was a power, there was competitive geographic com- competition, or whatever the phrase I'm looking for. There were mm-hmm. good teams all across the country, and I think we can see that again, but these programs have to kind of live up to their potential and elbow their way into that mix. Yeah. I mean, Clemson's an, an SEC team stuck playing – uh, North Carolina State on Saturdays. That's what it is. Uh, well, let's get to these bowl games. Uh, bowl season starting in earnest. Uh, like I said, I'm still recovering from that uh, from that game on on Wednesday night. Oh, wild, wild. Uh, yeah, but we went seven overtimes. Yeah, I know. We got to start with the the biggest game. You know, ESPN already named the Irish one of the worst 28. They're on the bottom five, I think, of of the teams to make the playoff. They ranked all 28. Equal parts funny and unfair, I would say, considering Notre Dame hasn't taken a snap in the playoff. But what is the route for Notre Dame to keep this close? Because for me, the more I look at it, it looks very similar to the route for me becoming six six. I'm I'm just not sure that that is in the cards for the for the Irish in this one. I've thought a lot about this, and my formula for Notre Dame winning, I look at the LSU Florida game. Okay, where for Florida was the far superior team. LSU had some talent. I think sometimes 
fans, media, we don't factor in luck enough in, in sports. Notre Dame's going to have to get lucky. LSU got lucky in that game. They played well. They played their best game of the season, but they had an interception on a deflection on the sideline that was crazy. They had a, they stopped L, uh, Florida at the goal line. Now, that's not luck, but that's a fortunate play they made. Are you Marco saying Wilson, Notre Dame should have their laces tied very loosely? Yes. She's yes, coming exactly. off every single play. <laughs> yes, just bait those Alabama guys into throwing <laughs> their shoes. Or so they they need to, you know, maybe Mac Jones makes a bad read. A ball's deflected the line of scrimmage for a pick six or a special teams play. They need the ball to bounce their way to give them a chance to win the game. And that's like LSU was only going to win that game against Florida if they got a few breaks and they got some breaks. So. Uh, you know, you, the, the matchup on paper, it's clearly not favorable to Notre, to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Alabama's the far superior team. I think Notre Dame has a good defense. What's the goal of a defense usually? It's to make a team one-dimensional. You can't do that to Alabama. No. They're too good in every phase of the game. So it's going to take some crazy bounces for Notre Dame to keep this thing close in the fourth quarter. Well, maybe we'll see him. I'm not holding my breath. Uh, elsewhere, Tulsa... Who I, a lot of SEC fans may not have seen this year. I've watched them a little bit. I, I watch a lot of college football, and Tulsa yeah. I've watched uh, my fair share of. Mississippi State, good defenses have handled them. Um, they did close strong. They beat the heck out of Mizzou. Zayvon Collins, one of the best players in the country. Tulsa seventh nationally in defensive yards per play. I'm not sure there's enough offense here for the dogs to get this done. I like Tulsa in this one. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, that's going to be a, a fascinating matchup. You have the the Bryles offense, Phil Montgomery, uh, his former uh, OC at Baylor, uh, running that against. Uh, so we're you know we may see some some points in this one, but I think they get more stops. Uh, and I, I like Tulsa to win this one. Yeah, I, I think so. A lot of it, some of it, had to do with money. But I credit Tulsa and Derek Gregg, their former offensive, their former their former athletic director for keeping Montgomery after last year. Again, it might have been mm-hmm. financial reasons, but they had a bad record. They had some painful losses mm-hmm. uh, it, where they just collapsed down the stretch or some bad luck. They were a better, much better than their record last year. This year, they're 6-2. and two. Five of their wins are by eight points or fewer, and their losses are 16-7 to seven to Oklahoma State, a game which week one, which they led most of that game, and then 27-24 to Cincinnati. So you're right. This is a good team. One thing about Mississippi State, I think one of the more underrated wins this year, we just... It was over the holidays. We weren't really paying attention. 51-32 over Missouri to close the season. Yeah. And that Missouri had been playing some pretty good football. So they showed some signs of life there. But I'm with you there. I think Tulsa, the the, the G5 school with a chance to play in it, they don't care who it is. They have a chance to play in SEC school. I will say I think the one thing up. that makes me nervous about this game, I think we'll see it after 10 minutes of actual game time. Every now and then when you see a G5 and a P5 play, the, the line of scrimmage is just not close. Yes. And if, and if you see that, then it's going to be a long day for Tulsa. I don't think that's going to happen, but I like Mississippi State's front. It, they could get some disruption. It's on the table that Mississippi State wins this thing by 20, but I don't think we're going to see that. But every now and then in these bowl games, especially in a year like this where we haven't seen non-conference plays, we, hadn't, we have nothing to really compare right. it to. Um that's sort of looming, but I still like Tulsa in this. Yeah, you'll game. make a pick. We'll pick a team like Tulsa, yeah. and then like three of the first four plays are sack or tackles behind the line of scrimmage exactly. where they get mauled, and you're exactly. like, "What? What were we thinking?" Well, uh, Georgia and Cincinnati suiting up. Um, Cincinnati's defense is really good too. I, I may be the only one, um, but if we get a, a breakout game from JT Daniels here, that that's going to mean something to me, and. 
it will shut the door on what I hope Cincinnati, if they win, declares a national championship um, for themselves. Uh, I suspect that they will if they win that ball game. But uh, this is a chance for JT Dills. If he does something in this game, he's he's done something. Um, I, I, since he's really, really good, this may be a, a shootout. Um, this will be a fun game, I think, to watch. Yeah, I don't know why, and I don't pretend to know him, but Luke Fickle doesn't seem to be the type. Maybe like the marketing people want to do it, but Luke Fickle doesn't seem the type that's going to you know crown himself as he team should. national he champion. He should. I wonder if he'll get pressured from folks. They should. Right. There's no reason not to. You win. You gain. You get a nice little thing on your stadium. You make the entire SEC furious. Uh, why not? What's the, it, the what is the downside? People make jokes about it with UCF, but that was still a really good team. They absolutely should. I hope they do. In Cincinnati, four and one in their last five games against P five programs over the last three years. Two of those wins against UCLA, one against Boston College in a bowl game, one against Virginia Tech, and then they lost to Ohio State. My my and this isn't fair because we need to evaluate every team on its own merit every year. Mm-hmm. But the, the the counterpoint to Cincinnati being a playoff team is like they played Ohio State last year and they lost 41-0. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, again, it's probably not being a P5 snob and saying, you know, the Ohio State's – Ohio State, first of all, isn't as good this year as they were last year, and Cincinnati's better this year. But um, uh, they have, again, four, they're 4-1 in their last five. Well, to go back P5 to kind of what we were talking about, it's it, the case isn't even – like these these G five teams are better than or can go head to head. In many cases, they can, but that's not even the argument. The argument is just there's nothing that they can do to get in the playoff, right. and that I think is just purely wrong. Now I will say this doesn't strike me as a Georgia team that is going to come in there, sort of waddling along. This strikes me as a Georgia team that's you know a little salty about how the early part of the season went, got their sea legs under them late in the year. I actually think Georgia flexes in this game, but if they don't, um, goodness. Uh, the Cincy victory lap should be lengthy and will be hilarious, but I think Georgia wins this game. I, I think Georgia wins it big, actually. I- I'm with you. This isn't a Georgia team that's, like, smarting for not making the playoffs. No. You know, like, we've seen – this is a team that – right, that they found their quarterback. Um, it's – not that this matters in this climate, but it's, you know, in Atlanta – Stadium they're familiar with, so I'm with mm-hmm. you in Georgia there. NC State and Kentucky, we're getting into uh, coachless teams here a little bit. No Eddie Grand for Kentucky. Yeah, NC- Vince Marrow's calling the play. Yeah, NC State gave up 44 or more in their three losses this year, but when they don't get rolled defensively, they've seemed to score as much as they've needed. Kentucky, you know, they want to slow this ball game down, limit possessions. I'm not sure they have enough offense to get this done. Um, it- it'll be an interesting matchup. I think, you know, kind of like we were talking about with Tulsa and Mississippi State, this could be a game where Kentucky maybe bullies a little bit on the line of scrimmage. I could see that, and I think we'll know ten minutes into this ball game how this is going to go. But I, I like I like NC State to win this um, reasonably. Uh, you know, maybe ten points. I'm going to be honest here. This is to me the least appealing matchup. Yeah, it's not, exactly, just, it's not exactly. It's not exactly the sexiest matchup. <laughs> Yeah, with Kentucky's offense struggling this year, and NC State is just a a nondescript program. I mean, like a couple. You talk about the line of scrimmage, Kentucky having the advantage. A couple of years ago, NC State had some. They were churning out ferocious defensive linemen, and that was kind of the identity of their. Mm-hmm. Part. They always had a good quarterback, and then they always had dudes on the Ryan Finley line. Bradley Chubb combo. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I'll watch this game probably. 
but I am not overly excited about it. My pick, I'm picking Kentucky though. I'm going with you with your theory that they will control the offensive line. The, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I, well. I could see Kentucky yeah. winning. I mean, the the most fun games you should are never games be where, surprised in a bowl game. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think these are, these are the most fun games are games where both teams can win it by double digits because you could see some swings, and I could see this happening. I'll, I'll take NC State in that ball game. Per- perfect example is yesterday's. Famed Mayo Bowl, Duke's Mayo, whatever it's called. I should know the name because it's like the favorite bowl of uh, the Twitter. <laughs> yes. First first five minutes, Wake Forest looks like they're going to win 50 to nothing. Yeah. And they, I mean, Wisconsin looked awful on both sides of the ball. And then Wisconsin just starts giving it to the fullback. I'm terrible so. at bowl pick. And we have like a – I have never – I don't think I've ever finished higher than like the thirtieth percentile. I'm pretty good. That's at, a badge of honor. I'm pretty good at like the, at the bracket stuff. I'm pretty good. I'm. I like to think I'm really good at fantasy, but something about bowl pick'em. Like I am notably bad. I'd be better just fading myself. Um, so make keep that a note for the rest of these picks. Yeah. <laughs> Auburn, <laughs> Auburn and Northwestern. Picks. I don't really want to watch this game. I will. I think this is the most unpredictable bowl game of the SEC slate. You have no Gus Malzahn. What does that mean? Chad Morris kind of stepping in. I, I don't know what to make of any of this. Uh, I think it's going to be ugly. I don't think it's going to be particularly uh, fun to watch, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I, I, you know, I guess I'll take Northwestern in like a twenty-one seventeen sort of situation, but I, I'm. This is going to be unpredictable. You know, I yeah. can see Auburn running away with it too, and you know, Northwestern hasn't seen anybody you know outside of Ohio State as fast as Anthony Schwartz. Some of these weapons, Seth Williams, and those guys, I could see them doing some things, but I'm just not. I'm not really jazzed about this ball game. A coachless predi- Auburn and, and a Northwestern right. team that plays the ugliest brand of football in the world. My prediction is 28 to 10. I have no idea who's going to win. <laughs> that <That's-> sounds about <laughs> right. I can see that. I can see that. Uh well, Indiana Ole Miss. No now, this Michael is a Penn- fun game. Dude, it will be fun. No Michael Penix, and Ole Miss hasn't really beaten anyone this year. But they're an eight and a half point underdog. I think it changes in this bowl game. I like Ole Miss to just blitz them. Uh, you know, Indiana. This is the best offense that they have faced other than Ohio State this year. Penix kept a minute against the Buckeyes. I don't see it here. I don't understand this line. Again, when as I say that, keep in mind my history of. Uh, uh, bowl pick them, but I li- I like Ole Miss here. I like Ole Miss to win this game and uh, and against all odds get a stop late uh, to to hold on and, and knock off an Indiana team and doesn't doesn't diminish you know what they've done. One of the most fun best seasons of this of the uh, entire country this year for the uh, for the Hoosiers. But I like I like the Rebels in this one. For those that get annoyed by SEC fans flexing, which probably listening to this podcast, that's not really our audience. So this is a game where you want Indiana to win. If, if, if a, a bad Ole Miss team, record-wise, yes. I mean, we know they're a fun team, but if they beat Indiana, I know they're without Penix, but if they beat a really good Indiana team out of the Big Ten, it's like, well, you know, one of our worst teams beat, you know, second-best team in your league, all that stuff. Yeah. Ole Miss is the most imbalanced team in the country. They're 10th in yards per play offensively and 123rd in yards per play allowed. <laughs> yeah. If if Indiana I'm going had, in, go ahead. If Indiana had Michael Penix, I I don't think they would ever get a stop. Or Ole Miss would. I think it would be yeah. I, Tuttle's quarterback. He, I think Jack Tuttle, you know, who is a former five, four star, five star, signed with Utah mm-hmm. uh, transfer, maybe four star. Um, I believe will be the quarterback in Indiana. I don't know why it wouldn't be, but he's filled in since. I think they're going to run the ball well. I think 
Ole Miss is going to have a tough time stopping them. I like Indiana. I want to see the postgame celebration in the Indiana locker room because those have been so much fun to watch this year. <laughs> they have closing with the Aggies and Tar Heels, two of the great mascots in college sports. Um, the Aggies are good enough to slow them down, limit possessions. UNC can score. They can put some points up. But I like the athletes. I like the way A&M plays on line of scrimmage. I think this is an angry A&M team that, you know, we've we've covered this ground. I, you know, I don't think they had a great case over Ohio State necessarily. Like we said, it would have been nice to get some new blood in the playoff. But ultimately, they're a really good team that's not one of the four best teams in the country. But this is the kind of opponent I think the Aggies can grind out. I like the Aggies big, big in this one. Yeah, we'll see if this is a uh, A&M prove-it type game yeah. where they want to go out and prove to the nation, that, especially if Notre Dame gets killed or Ohio State loses badly to Clemson. They mm-hmm. could say, you know, we, we should have been there. UNC has scored 41 or more in six of its last seven games. The game they didn't was against to Notre Dame. They're not going to have the uh, possessions but, to do that against A&M. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I, I like A&M this game. I think Jimbo will be punching the right buttons in this game to get his guys ready. And, I mean – Next year is a different year, but and I know they're there's, they're losing Kellen Mond and stuff. But this is we see Jimbo slowly building, and and they want to start pounding their chest in the off season about mm-hmm. what their program is becoming. This is a game y- you should win. You should. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for uh, indulging us in uh, some bowl conversation. Uh, enjoy the uh, holiday weekend. Keep your gatherings small. It's been. Uh, it's been quite a season, Mitch, uh, coming to an end here. Uh, well, at least for everyone not participating in the playoff. But some great games ahead. I love bowl season. For you uh, too many bowls people, you've gotten your wish, and it's a nightmare. We need, well, we it's, need, a one, it's a one-year It's a one year deal. I know. Give me, give me 20 more bowls. Give me them all. I'll take them all. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in again. If you uh, are not a subscriber to this podcast, you should change that. You can have it uh, really in any uh, uh, podcast uh, purveyor. You can have that del- delivered straight to your device. Um, if you are a subscriber, thank you. Leave us a rating, a review. It only helps the show. And if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, where you can see Mitch's work, my work, and the rest of our staff, uh, Andy Staples, um, Bruce Feldman, Stu Mandel, all of us, Nicole Auerbach, you should change that. Theathletic.com slash grits. You can see all of that um, behind the paywall. So thank you. Thank you.